0: Alright, oh, that always, always puts the pressure on when you're up here and you get introduced like that. Alright, yeah! <laughs> Hannah should have done it, we learnt that last time. Okay, we're going to be talking about community today and I've had a, we've had a big week. Now there's, there's a bunch of us have gone up to conference, it's already been said, so uh, we were doing our small community in a big community. And so that wristband there. That signals that I belonged in the community at the conference. It's like there were 700 people there and, and we all had these wristbands. They checked to make sure that you you belonged there. And there's something about knowing that you're there and you belong. It's just like, yeah, Cath went to cut that off the other morning. I says, no, I want to use it as an illustration. So that's my community bracelet thing. And then this one, this is my www. www JD, what would Jesus do? Bracelet. Yeah, how many have got them? Look at that, look at that. Guess where they came from? The men's event last night. So, McGill shared his story and shared his journey with us last night. Just an incredible, deep story of where he's come from and where God's just positioning him right now, like he's like a rocket on the launch pad, ready to get launched. And, uh, just an awesome, awesome night. Uh, we did clay bird shooting and 22 shooting and uh, barbecue with sausages. And I don't know why I buy flipping lettuce. I put it in the bowl and I don't think one piece of lettuce got put in the sandwich with the sausage. But I did it because I thought it's probably a healthy thing to do. But anyway, I'm going to be eating lettuce all this week. So today I get to talk about community. We've got community up there now. So we're going to our, our fourth cornerstone. And, um, and so I thought, well, the best way to start is like I tend to start backwards and then move forward. So I'm going to start this time. Last time I went with uh, relationships, I went from loving ourselves, loving others, loving God. This time, I'm going to go from what it is to be alone and then work our way into what is community our community. All right? And so my story. When I, um, I left school at 16, I was a bit of a slow lever because my birthday's in the middle of the year. And so my mates left at fifteen. And then you went and worked, kids. When you leave when you're my age, you left school at fifteen and you went to work. Now it's about twenty-five. When I I went to Ashburton, worked for my uncle and auntie for a bit there on their farm for two months and I managed to land from there a job in Meffin. And I just turned seventeen when I got the job. So I go to Meffin, this big sheep and cropping farm. Uh, this young guy had employed me, I'm 17, he's 26, first time he's employed somebody, and I'm up there, and I get the job out of a whole bunch of applicants, and I'm thinking, man, I rock, you know? That's the only position I've ever applied for in my life. There's something for somebody. You know how we stress about what's going on in life and what's happening? You know, I just trust it. That that, I applied for that job, then I got saved after it a couple of years later, but I've never applied for anything, any position ever since. So anyway, I'm on, that was just a freebie. We went there. Maybe that's for you. Um, And then I I went there and had the interview, got it. And then on the Sunday night that I arrived there to start on the Monday morning, it was in August, there was six inches of snow on the ground, it was bitterly cold, horrible. I get there and and my new boss says, well, here's your hut. And the hut was literally two and a half uh, single beds big. I had a bed, I had a cabinet with a TV, a little TV on it, and an armchair and enough space to put my clothes on. That was it. And the toilet was a thunderbox out the back that the the shearers used when they were doing the the shearing. And so here I am. I get into that wee hut and then I sit there and then I, holy moly, I just feel so lonely. And that was okay. The next day I get up, I meet my boss for breakfast and he was the sort of guy that, he was either in a good mood or a bad mood. There's no in-between moods with him. You go to breakfast, either good mood or bad mood. And I go there, and I didn't know this guy. And his his two year old daughter, she was so, she just looked at me, looked at me. She picked up a plate of porridge and she tipped it right down her front just to hide from me with the plate there. I thought, man, what the heck? So, what didn't start off too good? Then we had to spend the whole day because we had the snow. That's one thing in, in, in winter, snow just goes. But the rams had got out early in the season and they were lambing in the winter and they weren't supposed to be. And so now, bitterly cold, snow everywhere, all the sheep that were having the lambs, I had to pick them up and bring them back to the shed. And so I'd be out there all day with my little TEA Fergie tractor and a a shaggy dog that could help me catch the sheep, chucking them in the pen and and taking them back to the shed and making sure they're fed and mothered on and make sure everything's all good. And by the end of the first day, I am shattered. I don't know if I've ever worked so hard in my life. But then I had tea and I was back in my room at 7 o'clock or 6.30 or whatever, and then it hit me. Just this extreme loneliness, and I cried, and I cried, and I was like, "My gosh!" And I like, I'm used to family, and you know, fighting my brothers, and arguing with my sister, and mum and dad been around, and then I went to my uncles, and I was with cousins and things. But I was used to like a social environment, and I didn't realise how social I was until I had nobody in the gloom of a cold winter, snowy, exhausted day. And I, that week, I struggled hugely and I think for the first time in my life I realized that actually there's something about my personality that actually gravitates to people and so after a couple of weeks I thought no I had enough of this I'm I've got to find some people and so I rang my grandma and granddad they were at uh, Winchmore just out of Ashburton on a farm and I says hey grandma can I come around for dinner says, oh Lyndon you're my favorite yes come around I was the oldest actually so I was the favorite And so I get around there, and she cooks up a lamb roast. Oh, it's beautiful. And then she'd cook up, especially for me, the apple shortcake that only grandma could cook. And she would put these lashings of whipped cream on it, and I'd tell you what, I'd get home feeling like my little social tank was half full because I'd spent time with grandma and granddad. And over a couple more weeks there, it got to the point where um, I still it's like, man, I just can't just live in my hut. I didn't have any interest. I'm right at the base of Mount Hut. I could have gone skiing. I could have gone hunting. I could have done fishing. I could have done anything. But I didn't have any interest. I was too young. I left school too young. I didn't know what I wanted to do for my, for my enjoyment. Crikey. But anyway, I decided I, I needed to hang out somewhere. And my cousin says, oh, come and hang out with us. We'll take you to our youth group. Now, I wasn't pursuing God. and I didn't want to pursue God at the time. I was trying to get away from God and away from what I was brought up in. And so, you know, I said yes, just because there's people. And so I went along to this youth group, met a few guys there. That was cool. Um, and then they uh, became my friends, these guys. And there was a bunch of—oh, um, a girl became a girlfriend, too. Uh, but she was the minister's daughter. So it happens when you go to the minister's daughter, you've got to go to church on Sunday. So I ended up going to church. Not that I wanted to be there. I had other reasons for going there. But anyway, I was, I was uh, going out here for a while until she dropped me. And then she married my cousin. So— I still get to see her from time to time. It's very awkward. But anyway, and so here I was reconnecting socially. Time went by. I left Methvin. Uh, my relationship broke up, and I came back to Leeston, where I was, and um, really a bit shattered because I lost my friendships up there, well, her, and that I wasn't there anymore. And my mum says, come along to church with us, to the New Life Church in Leeston there. And so I went along there and got saved, basically. And it was like, man, there was guys there that were sharers and, and uh, builders and, you know, just strong. And I said, what are you doing in church? But anyway, they love God. But there's also a whole bunch of girls, and uh, they're pretty attractive. As Chris Valaton would say, it was like fishing at the hatchery. I said, I'm going to get one of these. I got one. I got one. And so, but now I remember thinking, I have finally arrived home. I I've, I've felt like I have found a place of belonging. And, and it's like um, we all have a desire, we all have a need, actually, to belong somewhere. And for the first time in my life, you know, I had friends at school and stuff, and, and I you know, wasn't really into the alcohol and the pub scene and stuff so much. And, and sport was there through school, but that was about it, really. And so I didn't really have a connection point, but then I found Jesus and I found my tribe, which was so, so cool. And then COVID came along. All those years later, guess what I'd just done before COVID? I'd just become a pastor. Absolutely fantastic. Dre had pushed my arm up so far behind my back, I said yes. says, yeah, I'll help you out. And became a pastor, and then about six weeks later, what happens? The whole country goes into shutdown, lockdown. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this pastor thing. Yeah, you, know, you, 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 you say hi to people and you get to know people and be friendly to people. Now there's no people. And Calf says, I'm a person. And I'm says, you're a person. You're not people. <laughs> and so I had to go through that season. then I realized that, man, I, I actually really enjoy being around people. I, there's something about my personality that enjoys being around people. Matthew 18 20 says where two or three are gathered I am there among them other translation says um, I'm with them or I'm in the midst and so here we go, here's here's a community scripture, see I can be with calf, because I can't remember their names under the pressure I'm with calf so I can be with calf, so the Holy Spirit can be with us, but here we go guys Zillin, I know his name. I, can, I was looking for you, Joe, and it threw me because you weren't sitting in the right place. But I'm amongst these kids, all right? So the Holy Spirit wants to be amongst us. So when we're together, he's amongst us. And so when two or three are gathered, it's really saying two, two or three hundred could be gathered. The Holy Spirit is amongst us. But then I could just be with Kath. And so obviously I like being amongst other people because God's there. God is with you, yes, God said too. We got prayed for at conference, they had this big prophetic line and, and I just really felt when I we was out there, I thought, man, Kaf and I, we need to pray more together. And the guy says, I see you guys praying more together. And it's like, yes, got you, I'm hearing you. So the, the helper will guide us, but he is amongst us. So where two or three are gathered, he is amongst us, which means centrally situated in relationships. And us being together attracts the presence of God. That's pretty cool. Um, Who likes being alone? Yeah. See, I didn't put my hand up. See, Dre will go up. We've got a hut that we can use up at Craigieburn uh, that we've got special rights to as, as pastors. Dre goes up there thinking, I'm going to go up to the hutland. I'm going to go up to the hut. He goes up there by himself, and he goes and has this great time by himself, goes, man, I had a great time up in the hut all by myself, just me and Jesus. It was so good. I was up there, no interruptions, no people. It's like, crikey, I take people with me. It's like, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to take a group of people. It's like, we're going to have a great time, man, we're going to take food and games, and we're going to climb a mountain together. This is just biking, but but it's like, yeah. We're so different. It's like, I go, what do you want to do that for? So my challenge for me is to embrace my aloneness. I, I work a lot at home on the farm by myself, so I do have a lot of alone time or a lot of time to myself, so that's not the problem, but it's it's my aloneness with God. It's my aloneness with um, sort of meditating on what He wants for my life, where I can actually just separate myself out from the hustle, the bustle, from work and everything, and just be with God just at peace with God that's why he's the senior pastor and I'm not hey kids who's scared of the dark anybody people anybody scared of the dark got some honest people there I think I'm scared of the dark the um, or maybe I'm just scared of getting lost in the dark A group of people witnessed this the other night when we were coming back from conference. I took a wrong turn on the way back and I was in the dark and they go, Oi! Oi, you loser! Back here! So I don't think I'm necessarily scared of the dark. It's just that sometimes I get lost in the dark. But one time I was um, at Stewart Island hunting. So in the hunting trip in Stewart Island, you're hunting in that. And you've got crown ferns and things that are up to your neck sometimes, deep. So you just see a little head walking through them. And uh, this particular day, I found this real nice clearing on the island. And it's like, man, you just you sit there, you sit on the edge of the clearing, you wait for a deer to come and you shoot it, you see. That's how it's done. If you're vegetarian, you don't shoot it, but I shoot them. And then I'm sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And then this deer a- arrives and I, I shoot it, but it runs away and I, I couldn't find it. So the problem was it's right on dark. So I had my torch in, I was looking for blood, I was looking for this deer and I couldn't find it. And I was like, darn. And by the time I'd finished looking for it, it was pitch black. And so if, you, if you've been on a dark night without a moon, you know how black can get. Well, you add Stewart Island bush to that, it gets really dark. And so I, I realised that, oh my gosh, this is dark. So I knew where I was, where I wanted to be, where I was. And I knew that somehow I came down that trail to get there and there wasn't a lot of trees or anything, there was ferns and things I went through. But as soon as you turn your torch on, everything that's close to you illuminates, but nothing sort of in the background does, so it doesn't look the same. And the other thing that's really tr- tricky on Stewart Island is because you've got the sea right there, the, the sound of the sea noise is bounces off the hill behind you, so you think the sea's behind you. And so you're here thinking, okay... I think the seas out that way, but no, I can hear it that way. There's three rules in Stewart Island: trust your compass, trust your compass, trust your compass. And so I'm I'm here, and now it's dark, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, okay, okay. Trust my compass. I've got to go this way. I think the trail's over here. I'm walking over now. It's starting to get thicker, and I'm starting to go through bush lawyer and brambles and, and um, vines, and I'm sort of rattling my way through that. And again, my rifle caught on it, and then it's like tree. I'm climbing over a tree. I didn't climb over a tree to get here. And then I had to go under a tree and then through a tree. And, and then I'm tripping. And, and the more that I'm thinking, oh, I can hear the sea behind me. I check my compass and, and no, I'm going the right direction. And I'm, I'm stumbling through it. And I, the panic in me was like getting, just rising to a level that I, ah, I think I'm lost. And I'm tripping and literally falling over, rolling, tumbling. And then I rolled out onto the beach. Ah, shivers. Got there. That was good. All right, let's go. (laughs) And the thing is, in that situation, I can get all, like, I'm so alone. But what changes the situation is if there's one more person with me. If there's someone else with me, it brings more of a clarity. And now it may be because I think they know where they're going, and they think I know where I'm going, even though we both don't know where we're going. But all of a sudden, we're calm. And so you can take, I think it's this way. Yep, yep, right, let's go this way. We go this way. Nah, tree here. I think we need to go across a bit more. And instead of panicking, I'm actually thinking logically because I'm not alone. Dre and I came down a hill one night there, and I said to Dre, You knew I was going to come this, didn't you? And we were walking down this hill, and um, up at uh, Bill's block, Marion, that's where we were. We are walking down this hill, It's quite simple, just down this hill, through these wee tracks, and Dre just had his eye operation, so he wasn't seen too good, and he didn't have a torch, so I said, hey, take my torch. So Dre takes the torch and uh, leads the way, but instead of going straight down the hill and at the end turn right, he kept drifting to the left. I said, hey, Dre, Dre, it's up here. Oh, okay, and he comes across again, and next thing, he's drifting, Dre, Dre, it's over here. Literally after a while I said, hey, give me the torch, just follow me. <laughs> But it's easy to get lost in the dark. Who's seen that uh, program uh, alone, where where people get dropped off like at uh, Vancouver Island or Alaska or whatever, and they're going to live there for for quite a while, uh, see how long they can last. And I was just doing a little bit of a um, look, a little bit of a, uh, a look at that. So what is the thing that is the biggest struggle? Do you know what it is? The loneliness gets them. It mi- it might not be just the aloneness, but it might be the, the but by themselves, they can't catch fish or can't get food or their shelter collapses and they get low on low energy. But ultimately, aloneness gets them and they look terrible after a while. If I saw another, if I was in that situation, I saw another fire over the bay, I would be going through that fire to find someone else. I actually saw a quiz that was associated to my search. I thought I'll do that, a lone quiz. 12 questions, I answered all the questions and they says, ta-da, you would last over 50 days on a loan. And I'm thinking, hey, that's pretty good. I could do 50 days. I wonder how many days you could do. But I have an Achilles heel that this quiz didn't take into account. There's no people. I would get very lonely. Cav says, you wouldn't do it. You'd get too lonely. I said, "Just I would. I would do it just to prove her wrong. But she's right. And so I'm not going to argue with right. And so I would get lonely. I know I would. And the other thing is, I'd be worried about things eating me. When it gets dark, there's things moving around. There's things out there. And uh, I can remember um, once, twice, twice, I've been in a tent up a mountain by myself and I've had the living daylight scared out of me by hedgehogs. Have you heard that two o'clock in the morning, there's no wind, and here hear this? And I'm just like, oh, flipping heck, what is out there? And I remember waking the first time, the you know, second time I sort of thought maybe it's a hedgehog. The first time I didn't have a clue what it was. I'd get my rifle, put some bullets in it. Zzz, zip, poke my head out with my torch, ready to smash this big bore, this big solid thing with massive tusks. Just looking at my little canvas fabric, thinking I could rip that with my tusk in a couple of seconds. But I couldn't see anything until like, flipping hedgehog. <sighs> no, I didn't do that. You know what happens when you kick hedgehogs, eh? You come out, especially in bare feet, you come out second best. But all of a sudden it's like, what relief? It was only a hedgehog. And so being alone is not fun. So here's that, that's me. A Swiss army knife. When I'm alone, I am useful because I can, I've got a blade, I can cut things, and that's me. But God wants us to be that. There's a multi-tool Swiss army knife. And that's, that's, that's about community, is that, that alone we can do so much, but together we can do so much more. Are you ready for this? Ready for this? Boom. That is ridiculous. <laughs> this is us. I look out here and I see this picture right there that is us when we come together I guess they can use this thing it's ridiculous but look at the stuff on it mate and so God wants us to be together because when we come together that's how useful we are that there's okay it has its uses oops but that is incredible as a community, we achieve so much more. You cover my weaknesses, I cover yours. And uh, I see that at our staff church, uh, church staff meeting. Um, you know, like, I'm quite high up in the IT world, so others don't quite understand. No, when they start talking about IT and graphics and things, I, like, I, I phase over, because, man, just, just uh, let me drench some cattle. Um, let me just do a bit of farming, I uh, have fencing. But when it's IT staff, I was like, nah, can't do it. I just can't do it. And so together, we accomplish more. And we've got like 10 or 11 people on staff. Uh, Hannah's just joined us, which is awesome, the last couple of weeks. And she's with us now as well. And, and everybody has their, their, their um, lane. And we help each other. Kendall always has big cleanouts everywhere and, and you're going past and there's this grumping and rawr, 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 who's put this stuff here? And then it's like you go and give her a hand and, and, and clean out the garage again. We do the garage cleaning lots. Um, so don't leave anything at the hub, it'll disappear. But it's good when we come together. They say that one draft horse can pull 800 pounds which is quite a good weight for a horse to pull. So if you've got two draft horses, how much are you going to pull? 1,600. No. What happens is when you have two draft horses, they can pull their 800 as well, but the combined effort pulls 2,400 pounds. So they can pull another 800 pounds on top of what they could do individually. And so now you've got these horses working together, and what happens is the load distribution is more evened out on two animals, so they can pull more than they can by themselves. And the other thing is, if they can get trained to do it, they will pull another 800 pound. So you get to 3,200 pound. They can pull once they're working together and trained. And I thought, man, isn't that the church? When we come together as a community... That as we do our bit, we actually lessen the load on others so that the capacity rises in those around about us and we can accomplish a lot more. That's even not even on my notes. I quite like that. I like it, yeah. Our capacity increases when we do things together. And so that's the value of being church community. There's a scripture that says... How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? And I thought that it's like a law of combined effort. When when we combine, we can do so much more. And these horses prove that. And so um, I'm making up a new spiritual law: we achieve more together. So how important is community? It's very important. Did I hear a very? Mate, have another lollipop. Um, we all have a, a deep need to belong. Uh, that's just, it's It's like even when um, God had made Adam and he said, it's not good that man be alone. I'll make him a helpmate or a partner. And he made Eve to be, because it's sort of like, hey, we, we're not supposed to do life alone. Then uh, there's the program. Anybody know what that program is? Gosh, I'm, we're the only ones that watch it, Kev. That's embarrassing, isn't it? There's a good reason why you didn't watch it. It was a stupid program anyway. It's a million-dollar island. A hundred people go there to to compete for um, a a share of a million dollars. No one else has seen it. That's amazing. It was on about three nights a week for a while there. And then what happens is that they all got dropped off on the beach, and they had to fend for themselves. And they had a pile of food in the middle of the beach. And so everybody just sprints down the beach, they grab some food, and then what? They went and found a place to camp. And so happens that there was four camps formed. So one had 19 people, another one had 25, one had 35, that sort of thing. Bush camp, high camp, top camp, low camp, what all these camps are. But these people gathered together, they could have done anything, but they sort of gathered together in clusters that weren't even. And then it was like they had to do challenges against themselves to see who was going to win the challenge to stay on the island and hand their bracelets that they had of money values on over to, to other people. And then after, in the first challenge, somebody chose two from their team, two from that team, uh, two from that group, two from that camp, and they put them against the challenge. The next time, that person that wins the right to choose the people that are going to compete, they choose this couple from this camp, couple from my camp, that person that annoys me in my camp, and, that one, and someone else. And then, but then as the days went on, they got closer in their camps. And so when it came to put up people for the challenges, you didn't put people up in your camp because your place in the camp was really important. You needed to look after your place in the camp. You don't want to get offside in your camp because someone might put your name up for, and nominate you to go up for the challenge and you could lose and you could go home and you not get any money. And it's like funny, after about a week, these guys became very locked into their camps and it's like their community had become the camp that they had settled in right from the start. And in that program, nobody changed camps. Once you were there, you did not change camps because the risk of going to the other community is that they wouldn't accept you. And then when you came back to your community, they wouldn't accept you, and your name would be put up and you'd be eliminated on the next game unless you didn't win it. Unless you won it. And so it was really fascinating to see. One camp ran out of food. Like a smaller group had all the food, and the bigger group, the 35, didn't have enough food. They ran out of food. Nobody left the big camp to go to the small camp. Hey, I'm I'm with you now. I'm coming over here. Nobody took that risk. And I thought, man, here's community. Once you find community, there's something really solid about belonging. And so it doesn't matter what your personality is, people get used to you, and then you don't get targeted. So community is really important. And I thought this too. The children of Israel, 12 tribes, they grew up in Egypt. They were there, they'd obviously had their areas there when they settled there, when the 76 or whatever went in there. And they, they grew up there, they, they multiplied, and they still stayed in their area. So it's like having towns like Leiston and Doyleston and Southbridge and Springston and and, and It's like they had their little tribes settled where they were. Then they go into the wilderness for a few days, actually a lot of days. 40 years, it's like being put in a tumble washing machine. They, they got stirred up. All these million people or whatever got stirred up for 40 years. And then they came out as one big group. No. When they went into the promised land, they went out in their tribes. Somehow they knew where they were connected. Everybody knew that I'm of the tribe of you know, Gad or Benjamin. And so when they came out, hey, that's your area. That's your area. Manasseh, you're over there. Judah, you're over there. And these people seemed to have the identity were still with them when they crossed over. They still had their tribal identities, their place of belonging. That's how powerful belonging is. Forty years in the wilderness, you think that would have been gone? But it was still there when they came out. I just thought that myself. I thought it was quite fun, quite a fun fact. John thirteen thirty five says, "By this, all men shall know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another." Who will know that we're God's disciples? All men, all people. And what a, what a responsibility that our church community actually represents what God wants us to represent. And Psalms 133, 1 and 3 says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Community. What's the end bit of that? Unity. When we live in Unity makes a big difference I saw a quote when I was just checking this out too and it says biblical community is doing life with other Christians in a way that reflects the love of God to a watching world isn't that good is the way that you treat each other good for the watching world do people look at us and go hey I like the way these guys treat each other because they're watching I love that to a watching world nothing we do is really that secret people are watching when we do community it's not about me it's about you it's about how I can serve you that's the heart of community is how I can serve you so often it's about me, me, me our boys played rugby they played it I don't know 10 years ago I suppose I don't know 8 years ago a few years ago There's seven Christian boys of our guys played for the Div 2 of uh, Dunsandal. And they come into the team and they're like, oh, these Christian boys, we'll show them a thing or two. They were going to try and boss them around, but in the end they had to get soft drinks instead of beers at the end of the, the games because our guys, they pulled rank there. But the thing is, what did is respect got them that. Uh, James, our oldest son, he was playing first five most of the time, halfback sometimes, but most of the time first five. If you know first fives, anybody played first five here? (laughs) Good on you, Rob. First fives are often selfish, but not you, Rob, because you're not that sort of person. But Often, you know, when you're playing, the ball comes out of the forwards, it gets to the halfback, out to the first five. The first five will either kick it, try and run it, and you'll just run straight back into the forwards. And so often when we watched our kids play rugby, the bloomin' first five is always the best player on the team who thought they could do everything, and they kept on running into trouble, and, and the games are always sort of forward-dominated. Well, James was not a selfish player. He was a selfless player. He gets in there at first five, and he feeds his wings and his fullback all the time. And then he'd back them up. But yeah, if he saw a gap, he's a nuggety little guy and he's faster than he looks, he would whoop through that line pretty quick. But nine out of ten times, he would feed the wingers. That year, our second son, Matt, and another guy, Mark, you know who I'm talking about, they got like the the player of the the year because they were always in the right place to get the tries. So Matt and Mark got so many tries from, from wing and fullback. It's because there was someone in the chain that was selfless that kept feeding the wings and the fullback, and they smashed in the competition. They did so well because of that. All the guys that didn't know that initially thought these Christian guys were just going to be a bit wussy were like, you, you guys can't play on the Saturday. Oh man, we, we need you to play. There's no way we'll win without you. But it was so good to see you know, a selfless act of that first five, which is happened to be my son, actually made it work. God wants us to be selfless. Romans 12:4 to five says this, "For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one in the body of Christ and individually members of one another. Like a body, we're connected." And I'm just going to try and prove a point here. Think about this. Who has thought about their middle toe on their left foot recently? Anybody? You have? Yeah, that's one person. Hopefully there's no more. Britt, you're going to wreck my whole thing. Nah, that's right. Unless you've got a reason to, none of you have thought about your middle toe on your left foot recently. Was it doing its job? Is it doing its job? Yeah? I don't even know what the left, uh, the middle toe does. I think it spreads the others out so that you can have balance on, your, on the outside and in, in the inside of your foot. But it's there to spread the others out, if nothing else. But the thing is, you know, sometimes we can have this um, sort of perception or understanding that I'm not really noticed, I'm not that important. Uh, if I wasn't around, people wouldn't really know, wouldn't really care. Um, I'm a bit of a nobody. But I tell you what, you are of value. Every single person sitting in this room today is of huge value to God and huge value to the body of Christ and the community of Cornerstone, every single one of you. And sometimes, when in our in our our thinking, I'm like, "Ah, oh, I wouldn't be missed." Sometimes, you know, let's, let's just put it the way it is. Maybe you do need to do something. Just get your nail coloured or something. No, maybe you just need to do something so that you feel the connection. Sometimes, being unconnected is because you are unconnected. I think COVID proved that. You know, if you're isolated, you were isolated because you were isolated. Sometimes it's good to actually do something, and and it could be, you know, just simple little things. It might just be be friendly to, to other people. It might be just getting to know other people. It might be just encouraging others. It might be helping in the hospitality or serving on the host team, or maybe it's in kid church. But a bit of a plug for kids church. Need more leaders come on. Maybe it's just helping out there on the roster. Maybe we need to do something so that actually what we contribute to the body is of worthwhile. Because there's like an appendix. You can live without an appendix. Is that true, nurses? Oh, you don't want to be an appendix. <laughs> if you're an appendix, because you can cut that out of the body, throw it away, and the body doesn't even know. It's like, we can still live without an appendix. So you don't want to be an appendix. You want to be something that has some sort of value. What else do you Yeah, Acts 2.1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord in one place. I like the word accord, which literally means that they were together in a group. But spiritually refers to many individuals working together harmoniously, with one accord. So one accord that we are actually together in spirit. We're working together harmoniously or seamlessly. So on the day of Pentecost, there was um, a group of people. There was a community of people How many? How many were there? Who knows? 120. That's it. 120 people were gathered in the upper upper room just doing what Jesus said. Just stay. Stay there and wait. 120 people were there in the room with an expectation that God is going to do something significant and special. Not really knowing what that was going to be or what it was going to look like. Imagine if we said, hey guys, we're going to just wait here for the next month we're just going to wait. We're just going to sit here and wait. And what happens over that time, the expecta- expectation built in them. They were together. They were like, man, can you feel it? Can you feel it? Something's going to happen. Can you feel it? See, that's community. Community gets excited together, and it's like, man, we can do this together. This is, this is fantastic. But they were waiting, waiting for something to happen. then the Holy Spirit came hit that community, that community goes out within days of 3,000 more saved and more added to the numbers. We're here today because of that community. That community is waiting on the presence of God to hit them. And we are here still all these years later in a community that has expect- expectation that God's going to do something amazing amongst us. Can we have that expectation today? That God is going to do something amazing among us? Just to summarize it, if the, uh, the band can come up, just to, to really simplify just what I've said, and if there's nothing else that you've, you've heard, it's like you belong. Every single one of us has value as a person, there's no one that misses out on that. God made you for a purpose, He values your life, we value you. So, the first thing is we all need to belong. Belonging feels right, feels good. You know, I don't know if I said it, but the WWD thing is that I was with a bunch of guys last night. I felt like I belonged with a bunch of awesome guys. It was just so much fun. hanging I was pretty busy and a bit distracted, so if I didn't have big conversations with you last night, sorry. I was trying to get my letters prepared. But I felt like I belonged. And I saw in that room there, all these guys that, like, hey, she, you know, this is a place that I, I belong in. And uh, when next year the Kingdom Brotherhood group comes around, I encourage anybody, Kingdom Sisterhood group, um, it may might not be what you expect it's going to be. But I tell you, one thing you'll come out of it with is a sense of belonging. Because you get so real and open and honest with each other. Second thing is being. Together attracts the presence of God amongst us. All right, God can be with us, me and God, we're good. But community is being amongst. It's like, man, look at these cool kids. When we're amongst others, it does something. I get more excited when I'm amongst others. Hey, how are you? Looking freaked out, eh? What's he doing here? I'll get away. Being amongst the Holy Spirit loves being amongst us. When we get together, you know why it's so exciting? It's because the Holy Spirit's amongst us. When I go up to the cabin, the Holy Spirit's amongst us because we've got community. When Dre goes up there, he's just with them. That's all right. Together, three, we accomplish more. Like those draft horses. Remember draft horses. Remember they're powerful creatures. But when they team up with another power, uh, draft horse, they are twice as powerful together. Four, it's good and pleasant when, people's, when God's people dwell in unity. When we use the word community, you've got unity at the end of it, and there's this word like commune, commune like deep com, com We're not going to live in a commune. We're going to commune deeply. Not to be Gloravale. We're going to commune deeply, and there's in, in community. There's like even the word common, sort of in there as well. We've got things in common, and so it's a pretty cool word that we've got on our our mission statement. Hey community and the fifth thing and the last thing is we shall be known by our love for one another by a watching world we do community well in our world and our community around us and I haven't even touched on our community I was thinking this is a big subject guys it's like mate I'm either gonna scratch the surface or I'm gonna sink and I think I've just scratched the surface but We've got a community that we live amongst and work with and whatnot who is watching our every move. And uh, are we going to be who God wants, a representation of who God wants us to be to that watching community that's watching us? Let's stand up. Just going to go into worship. And... uh, Yeah, just dwell on that. Community is really important. We all belong. We all have value.